Welcome to Retrospection. In each episode, we pluck the fruit of an old film or TV show and hope when we take a bite that it hasn't turned sour. My name's Colin, and I'm riding the Pork Chop Express. That took me away for a second. I had to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. That was a good pull. I don't think I can. Uh, I can't. I can't compete with that. I'm just poor, and I'm in Reading this week. <laughs> wow. <laughs> In this episode, we're taking a slightly different look at Jerry Anderson's 1970 TV series UFO, but we're dealing with an odd version of it called Invasion UFO. Now, this is a feature-length edition made by editing parts of a number of episodes together, and it was never released theatrically, but was intended to sell for syndication in Europe and the USA. Now, last year, Network, a UK DVD and Blu-ray distributor, went back to the original film elements and reconstructed this version in HD. So, we're going to do our usual painstaking review of Invasion UFO as its own entity, and then talk about the series itself. This was seen though, wasn't it? I mean, it, it did come out on video in the 80s, I think, didn't it? Did it? I'm not entirely sure. Do you think you've seen it? Or... Do you remember um, those um, video logos in the 80s? They were, they were called something like Five Star or something like that. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm pretty sure it was released under that label back in the 80s. Okay, I'm led to believe that it hasn't been seen, but maybe it has, you know. I don't think it's been seen in this particular way that they've, they've remastered it and, and, and cropped it into a into a, into a widescreen format. I think it was Definitely. just a standard TV format. But... Yeah. So some background, UFO was a Jerry and Sylvia Anderson's first full live action TV series after making a number of shows with marionettes like Fireball XL5, Thunderbirds and Captain Scarlet and the Mysterons. The show's premise is set in the far future of 1980. Always oh, the far future, alright. Yeah. Earth is being visited and attacked by aliens. The main cast are operatives for super-secret high-tech organisation called Shadow. Supreme Headquarters Alien Defence Organisation. I'm glad you said that because I had no idea what it stood for. There you go. Yeah. Which has been established to defend Earth against the aliens and keep the threat of alien invasion secret from the public. Now, the Shadow Headquarters is disguised as a working film studio and is hidden beneath the studio lot. While running Shadow, Colonel Straker has the cover story of being a studio chief, which is a genius idea. It's a bit elaborate though, isn't it? Yeah, but from a from a making a TV show idea, it's brilliant because you don't need to build any sets because you just <laughs> film in your studio. <laughs> we don't really see any any of that in this movie, do you? Not in they the movie, They just mention no. it a couple yeah. of times. yeah. But... So Invasion UFO stars Ed Bishop as Commander Ed Straker, George Sewell as Colonel Alec Freeman, Gabrielle Drake as Lieutenant Gay Ellis, Michael Billington as Colonel Paul Foster, Peter Gordino as Captain Peter Carlin, Harry Bird as Lieutenant Mark Bradley, Grant Taylor as General James Henderson, and Wanda Ventham as Colonel Virginia Lake. She is the mother of Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh, Okay. She's been in carry-on movies, then, hasn't she? So... Yeah, she has. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's get right in. So we begin with a nice old ITC Entertainment logo. And oh, this we... brought back some memories, didn't it? Yeah, it does. But we don't have the original UFO music. We have some twangy stuff. No, I thought I was watching the Krypton Factor or Tomorrow's World when this music kicked in. Yeah, I didn't like it at first, but it kind of grew on me as it kept going on and on. <laughs> well, they, they did use it rather a lot. So, um, and then you get a cheesy logo that says invasion ufo that's for some reason has got jets on it that propels it across the screen <laughs> so so we get a typewriter effect on the opening credits and a nice stir field and then we zoom in onto earth and we mm-hmm. open with young peter with a friend and his sister filming a ufo in the woods yeah and then machine gun fire and the girl's killed and then we get some really cool drum music 
Yeah, it's a real jazz drum solo going on in the background here, isn't there? Yeah, it's very exciting. It's pretty good. Did you listen to it in surround sound or did you choose the mono track? I just chose the mono track. Oh, I went for surround. Oh, was it was it even better? Even better, although purists are just screaming. <laughs> no, but this this music was good. It, it it did rev it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Peter yeah. Sisters rather nice. Yes, and and I thought the um, it was an interesting um, shot from a point of view shot from the machine gun as well. Yes, that that took me by surprise. I didn't expect that. There you go. And, and it's quite although a, I did wonder why these aliens are using machine guns. Well, they just sound like machine guns. They're not really machine guns. Okay. And we also got some blood, which is unusual. Yeah, it's quite nasty as well. His whole stomach explodes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So when it happened, I sat back and I was, "Whoa! Didn't expect that." <laughs> so she screams, lots of screaming, lots of chasing, running through the woods until finally they get it. They get what? Dead. Oh, all oh, right, okay. Sometime later, we see a plane landing, and we meet Ed Straker in uniform, handcuffed to a briefcase. <laughs> this high-tech briefcase. <laughs> <laughs> well, how high-tech can a briefcase be? <laughs> well, explain what's high-tech about it, and then we'll talk about it. <laughs> uh, the briefcase has a self-destruct mechanism, which is activated by sliding a piece across that says... Um, something like self-destruct, isn't it? <laughs> don't, don't, don't self-destruct. Something like that. Just says, don't go bang. Wouldn't it be funny if it's not actually connected to anything? I don't it think literally it is. is just it's a piece of cardboard on the front of it. It's just to fool people. They're like, oh, I'm going to steal this. Bri- oh, self-destruct. No, we're not touching that one. But 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 Striker doesn't know, obviously. Well, no, he why would it's... you tell him? Yeah, he's yeah, like, you would. Gingerly walking around with it. <laughs> don't don't drop it. Don't bump into me. Don't do it. And everyone everyone's in the know and sniggering behind his yeah. back. <laughs> Stewardess is like, would you like me to put that up? No, don't touch it. <laughs> so the plane lands and a limo pulls up and whisks him away. And the limo is flanked by two motorcycle cops. Inside the limo with Straker is General James Henderson, and they're driving through leafy green lanes. It's not much of an escort for something so important, is it? Well, you've got to balance with the, you know, whether you draw attention to the fact or whether you don't, you see. So. All right, I'll give you that one. <laughs> <laughs> so Straker opens his briefcase once he's, you know, deactivated the self-destruct negative symbol. Yes, because obviously you wouldn't want not to, would you? Well, that could be a disaster. It'd be a short could film, it? wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and... And the briefcase contains evidence of UFOs, including photos of a mutilated girl. Yeah, he, he likes a bit of uh, bit of mutilation, the old striker, doesn't he? Yeah, he mentions it quite a few times. He does. He get him started on it. You can't, you can't shut him up. Yeah. As we'll see. So it also has a proposal for the funding for a new organisation to defend the Earth against UFOs. And we get some lovely blue screen effect as they're talking inside the car. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> what, to... I'm agreeing with you. I'm well, agreeing with you. I had to really look to see it. Did, did you? <laughs> it, it was so well hidden. Yeah, <laughs> blended, blended straight in beautifully, seamless. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Outside, one of the motorcycle cops looks up, sees something between the overhanging trees in the sky. Straker takes the file back and locks it into his explosive briefcase. As the cop communicates with the people inside the car, there's a UFO following them, and it's going to attack the limo. There are explosions either side of the street, the car swerves, and one of the motorcycle cops is killed in a blast. I think this UFO needs to get its targeting computer sorted out, because all it can do is shoot on either side of the car. I think stormtroopers are flying it. (laughs) Very good, yeah. Yeah. Just aim for the middle. That's all you need to do. You're going to get it eventually, aren't you? It's toying with him. (laughs) Yeah, he's already doing. Yeah, he's just playing games. The alien knows. He could just get him any time, really. Well, judging from the rest of this film, I don't think he could. <laughs> oh, sorry. Spoilers again. <laughs> With a blast of its laser, the limo is knocked out of control and careers over the side of lane and down a hill. Okay. All right. It's a nice stunt. But um, do you have problems with the car when it's rolling down the hill? <laughs> what do you mean? Well, we know who did the model effects for this. 
Derek Meddings, <laughs> who is known for the James Bond films, who you recently had a problem with. You, have you noticed I haven't mentioned him once yet? No, I'm waiting for it. I'm, I'm trying to pick my moment. Well, now is your time. Yeah, it's crap. <laughs> <laughs> he should stick to... Um, I think he should stick to spaceships and things. Whenever he has to do any kind of vehicles, I think it, it's... Or anything that's that's not based in he's better when he's when he's doing stuff that's not based in reality. When it's based in reality, then I think he he he, he kind of shows his his failures in a way. Okay. Yeah, I, I can't argue with you that the model car rolling down a hill is probably the worst effect in the film. It's the way it's cut to as well. I mean, it it it, it completely takes you out of the moment. You know, it's quite exciting. Right. Ish. Ish. Yeah, and I'm going to use the term film, even though it's not really, but I'm just going to keep saying that. Well, for this, for the purposes of this, it yeah. is a film, isn't it? We're yeah. reviewing it as a film. So. Yeah. Um, so the model car, I mean, the real car, goes over a hill and explodes, and Straker is thrown clear. Do you think it was Corgi or Matchbox that he used? It's probably a bit of both. Oh, right, yeah. Kitbash. Yeah. Kitbash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> isn't that what we did in episode one? Of retrospection. <laughs> <laughs> Night Rider. Nice callback. No one will it understand. Well, actually, people will because it's the only one everyone ever listens to and they never listen to anything else. And they really shouldn't. Yeah, they really shouldn't. If, if you want to get into us, then start around about, what, episode six, seven? <laughs> yeah, but it's pointless saying that because people listen to this and they're hearing this one. But if they've listened to the first one, they're not going to listen to this one. So now you get all timey-wimey on me. I'm getting all mixed up now. Okay. About? <laughs> now, Straker arrives at the UN. For a board meeting. Yeah, where he was driving to in leafy green lanes. This is the 70s. Oh, no, it's the 80s, isn't it? Sorry. Well, it's 1984. Are we in the 80s yet? Well, Are we in the 80s? The show is set in 1984. The series is made in the 70s. Yeah, but hold on. No, no, we haven't, we haven't moved forward 10 years yet. So is this still the 70s? Oh, I see what you're saying. Within the time frame of the yeah. actual. Mm-hmm. Well, that's actually confusing because the driving in the green lanes is from a different episode from him arriving at the UN. That, that's why that's right. why it doesn't go together because it's from two different episodes. My point was being that the, in the 70s, I suppose people wouldn't have questioned it, would they? I mean, they wouldn't have known where the UN was, most people in the 70s, would they? Really? You think you know? that? I mean, it's it's in Manhattan. There's no... Do you think your average person in Bognor knew that? Maybe, maybe. All right, but this and it was a British show at the end of yeah, the day, wasn't but it? But originally, he wasn't driving to the UN in that scene. He was driving to the headquarters in England. So, you know, right. they just pieced it together. Straker is then at a meeting of world leaders in the UN, and these ministers question Straker about the new Earth Defense Organization. Is it worth the money? Straker excitedly shows him a budget proposal. Yeah, so yeah, it's uh, it's all about value for money, and then he hands out some spreadsheets, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, talks about submarines, Exciting. satellites. It's exactly what you want from your action-packed TV exactly. series. Oh, sorry, movie. <laughs> Straker tells him <laughs> that the Earth is being threatened by aliens, and the Earth needs a force. An organization should be set up, and it'll take seven to ten years for this international unit to be completed. So yes, if that's 1984, then this should be 1974, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. They dismiss him at first. They're incredulous with the idea. One minister is so scornful that Straker gets annoyed by him. You have daughters, don't you? I hope you end up <laughs> looking at the mutilated bodies of your daughters, which sounds like a threat at first. <laughs> it <laughs> sounds does. like he's going to go out and kill them. And then when he's finished, he just goes, thanks for your time, and then <laughs> <just> walks out. <laughs> but they ask him who should the head of Shadow be, and Straker recommends General Henderson. But we know it's not going to be. No, Straker goes to the general, but Henderson says that after the incident with the limo attack, he's not up to the job, and he says that Straker should do it. No, was I missing something here? But why is the general wearing sunglasses throughout this entire scene? Um, because I, I get why he's in a wheelchair because of the car crash. But why is he? Why is he wearing sunglasses? I was waiting for some payoff. I thought, is he an alien? Has he been taken over? Is he hiding hiding no, his eyes this, because there's something? This is the problem with this film: is that. Everything you're going to be expecting to be a payoff is probably in the episode that they've nicked the scene from. Ah, yeah. That is one of the huge problems with this film. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's just a collage, basically. 
The first, mm-hmm. first hour, it's not bad. It makes sense, but then it goes off the rails. It's a very odd concept, you have to say, isn't it, to do this? It's, it's like, why would you sell a show by cutting it up and making something else out of it that doesn't really work? Yeah, it's, it's really strange. Yeah. Just make a just make a 90-minute pilot and use that. Yeah, yeah, I just try and sell the pilot. <laughs> yeah, pretty it's much, yeah. It yeah. seems weird. Um, sometime later... Back at the now Shadow headquarters, we meet Alec Freeman, Colonel Alec Freeman, played by George Sewell, who appears... We know 10 years later, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, 10 years. Okay, 10 future. years later. Back in 1984 now, right? Yeah, we're in Austin Powers' world, aren't we? Only because Austin Powers ripped off this kind of look. <laughs> it's not because this but show... You can't help but that's what pops into your head. I, no, you know, I, you... I never thought Austin Powers, generally, ever, when I watched this really? show. Really? And maybe it's the music as well, because it's very, very um, 60s, 70s kitsch music, yeah, isn't it? it? Is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, Freeman appears to be a man for the ladies. Oh, this is terrible, this. <laughs> He's, he almost, but not quite, pats him on the bottom. Well, he, he walks into this corridor and he sees this uh, this female member of staff, doesn't he? This, this agent or whatever she is. Yeah. And... Uh, he says, uh, oh, you're here now, aren't you? And she says, yes. And he goes, oh, you must have passed all the tests then. Because she's a woman. <laughs> he wouldn't say that to another guy, would he? Oh, I don't know. He might. It's like, oh, oh you must be here. You, pa- if you, pass the t- you must have passed the test to be here, even though you're a, even though you're a woman. No, no, no. He you makes a, a joke about it because she says yes, and then he says, you're telling me kind of thing. Oh. He looks her up and down, right? Because his tests are totally different to the ones that HR actually said. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's, running his own. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, well, you've done, you've done the HR test now. I, if you just come over here, I've got a few of my own I'd like to uh, show you. <laughs> you've got to say, though, haven't you? If you're going to pick a boss, Freeman, you'd pick Freeman over Straker any day. Straker's a nut job. He's, he's miserable. He's obsessed with mutilations. He's always angry. He's always shouting. He's always angry. He's shouting at people for no reason. <laughs> After Freeman goes in and he, he waves at everybody and says hello to Michael Caine's future wife and keeps going, <laughs> he sits down at the desk opposite Straker and Straker blows dust over Freeman's jacket. Did you see that? Yes, I did. <laughs> What's co- and Freeman looks at him like, he's like, what the fuck? Do you think that was actually scripted or do you think that was a choice the actor made at the time? I don't know, because he just gives him this look. He's like, what, what are you doing? And then starts like trying to dust his jacket off and stuff. It, it, seems, it seems to me far too nuanced for this script. It seems like something that the actors probably came up with themselves, I think. Right, maybe. It's, it's a weird thing. But I did like it. It, it, it gave it something. Yeah. You know, It made these people seem a little bit more real. Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, they're nothing but two-dimensional most of the time. In, in this film, yes. As I said, I can only review this film. So. <laughs> Straker shows Freeman pictures of a place called Westbrook Electronics, a company that is developing equipment for Shadow. They've suffered numerous unexplained setbacks, including an explosion, but they finished the Utronic system that Shadow can use to increase their UFO detection abilities. This place is in Los Angeles. Straker tells Freeman that he has to fly to LA, pick it up, and bring it back to headquarters. Now, can we just... Spend a little time talking about the, the the set design and the aesthetics of the of, of where we are now in the future, Absolutely. the supposed future of the 1980s. Now, to me, it felt like such a massive shift for 10 years from where we were at the start of this movie. When we were 10 years previous, everything felt quite quite grounded and real and normal, and then suddenly we're into velour spacesuits and purple hair. Um, and that ha- that happened in 10 years. Why? Why are we suddenly all wearing... Weird jumpsuits that are made out of crinkly paper. And because we need those in space. Dino her purple. Uh, the purple hair is required to stop uh, static electricity with the equipment. Is that was that right off the cuff? No, it, it, I have read it somewhere that some people have proposed that as an impossible explanation. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, oh, good old fan theory. Not, eh? not all the hair is purple. I just point that out. Yeah, just the women. Yeah. 
Oh, apart from the one on the submarine who's blonde. Yeah, because it's you don't no, you also don't you don't wear the purple wigs when you're not in moon base. It's only a moon base fake. Ah, so it's a space yeah. thing. That's why. You seem to be only you seem to only be employed on the space base if you're on the moon base if you're a female as well. Nope, because Lieutenant Gaelis, who's in charge of moon base is later seen dry, uh, controlling one of the shadow communication trucks and she doesn't have a purple wig, which is probably why you didn't recognize her. Well, all right, hark you. <laughs> one of us has watched this. <laughs> I wonder which one that was. Now, looking at our now, previous Kaz, history, we have to talk about the costumes in the uniforms because you like to talk about the fashion. <laughs> Anything grab your fancy? Not particularly. Oh well, um, no. Well, <laughs> <laughs> clothing-wise, how can I put this? Some wear it better than others. Let's say, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. And we'll leave it there. So Straker puts a call to Moonbase, and we meet Lieutenant Gay Ellis, the Moonbase commander. Mm-hmm. And she takes a call from Straker, and he tells her about the Utronics equipment, and that it will be on Shad Ur One, leaving LA at ten forty-five PM. Straker is expecting trouble, and that Moonbase should be on alert. Yeah, everyone seems to be wearing tin foil. The Moonbase official uniform. Well, it's cheap, I suppose. Have you have you ever seen uh, one of the Apollo landing crafts? Oh, here they we go. Like here from... we go. They... <laughs> no, wait, wait. They look like they're made from tin foil. I've seen them. They do. Yeah. So UFO is, is uh, completely uh, completely realistic. Grounded, yes. grounded, grounded in, in reality. reality. Yes. Sorry, silly me. Sorry. Straker then informs Skydiver about the situation. Skydiver is a submarine that has an aircraft at the front of it that can detach from the submarine and go through the ocean and then into the air. <laughs> Why are all their uniforms fishnets as well? Because they because yeah. they work on a submarine. <laughs> you notice that you notice that the men's are fishnets, but the women have to wear something underneath, <laughs> or the men don't. Well, that, that could have been inter- that could have been an interesting conversation. It, it would just be very distracting, wouldn't it? Really. It's like, it's like, this is your uniform. It's like, but it's just string. Yeah, yeah, it We're is. We're all professionals here. Oh, all professionals. I'm, I'm not asking you to wear anything that I wouldn't wear. I'm wearing it. Look at my nipples. <laughs> oh, what a thought. <laughs> oh, yeah, now we cut to Straker, right? Giving one of his officers a complete oh. bollocking. He's really telling him off. This is Fard. And he's like, explains to Ford that he's made a mistake putting a call across an unsecured channel. And he explains where they are, that he's a film studio chief and the whole shadow force are hidden under the film studio. That one leaked communication could ruin all of this. And poor Ford is just like taking it. He's got this look on his face like, what the hell did I do? <laughs> yeah, he's really hard. I only clocked in five minutes ago. What's going on? <laughs> Not my fault you woke up on the wrong side of the bed, is it? And what's going on yeah. with that huge lava lamp screen behind uh, Striker's desk as well? That's projecting the mood. Oh. <laughs> it's a mood lamp. <laughs> <laughs> so Striker's. So so when they come in, they everyone glances at the mood lamp to see, to see what kind of mood that Striker uh, is so in. So Peter's like, "Oh Jesus Christ! It's yellow with a bit of mauve in it. <laughs> we don't want to go in there <laughs> yeah, today." <right. laughs> oh, look how rapidly it's flowing. <laughs> Oh, it's getting stringy. Oh, <laughs> I'm not leaving him alone. It sounds like Straker's on the loose. <laughs> Are you speaking from personal experience there, Colin? Totally. <laughs> At 10.45pm, oh. Shad Erwan takes off with Freeman aboard. Mm-hmm. Lieutenant Ellis contacts Sid, which is the space intruder <laughs> detector. This is an orbital satellite whose AI is so advanced enough that it can talk to Shadow with a voice. Oh, and it's a great voice. Apparently it was a BBC newsreader's voice. He sounds so thrilled to be there, doesn't he? They ask him to do something, and he's like, he's like, oh, all right then, if I but, have but to. But the the guy doing it was genuinely pleased to do it. <laughs> he was very excited to do it. He just says really, really British and very camp, and and kind of like nonplussed with it all as a computer. I like the idea that the computer's like that. I think that's quite funny. <laughs> Sid detects a UFO. <laughs> Moonbase is a look. I, I just, every time I say that though, Sid detects a UFO, I just think of Sid James. <laughs> oh, I, I just him doing it. the voice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Red alert. 
<laughs> so, Moonbase is alerted. Ellis tells Shadow Control. Interceptors are launched from Moonbase. And we have the great launch music, which is the theme tune for the TV series originally. Uh, I thought yeah. I recognised it, yeah. <laughs> they seem to have only have three Interceptors, though. Yeah, that gets worse in a minute. That, that are reached by diving through a big tube. Yes, they dive through a big tube that lands them in the Interceptors because um, mm-hmm. it's quick, quicker than just walking to it. Could they only afford three, then? Remember that budget proposals they were outlining? Oh, yeah, the spreadsheets, I forgot, yeah, yeah. They, they were like, we want 15 interceptors, and they went, wow, 15, that's a lot. of. And we want each interceptor to have 20 missiles each. Oh, 20 missiles each. Mm. <laughs> you, you don't even get two. We might have to talk <laughs> about that. So each mm. interceptor only has one missile. It does, yes. That seems an odd choice. On the plus side, they look nice. Yeah, they look nice, and they are giant. And mm-hmm. they fire, and they miss. And then what do they do? <laughs> well, now that the UFO is approaching Earth's atmosphere, they alert Skydiver, and Captain Peter Carlin is informed, and Peter pilots Sky One. It's launched for the submarine into the atmosphere. Meanwhile, on Shadow, Freeman is getting concerned, and he says, these clouds give as much cover as a G-string on a belly dancer. <laughs> oh, God. He's, he's a great guy, isn't he? You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like you could just imagine. He he reminds me of um, you remember Life on Mars? Gene Hunt, yes, exactly. He is Gene Hunt. But you know how that was purposely done so that he seems sexist and out of place. Yeah. Whereas this one is perfectly acceptable <laughs> in the workplace. He's a man of his time, isn't he? Totally, totally. He's good at it though. He is. I mean, he, any times he, he's on screen. I mean, because Straker's just boring, isn't he? He's uh, complex. For a leading character, he's he's very. He's either dull or most of the time he's just shouting at people. At one point in uh, in this sequence, he actually just shouts at one person and says, "Well, don't just sit there." <laughs> the guy's not doing anything. <laughs> well, well, that's why he shouts at him. Don't just sit there. <laughs> Okay, so I've got a question about this, this whole yes. segment now. Yep. With the UFOs attacking. It's a serious question. I hope, I'm hoping you oh, can help oh, me. Oh, wait. First time in 17 episodes. <laughs> okay. Cool. So, so okay. So, this is 10 years after they've set it all up. They've set it all up. 1984. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Straker talks about at great length to people about various times that, that we've been attacked by UFOs. So mm-hmm. this clearly isn't the first time that they've dealt with this. No, 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 no. But yet it feels like the first time that they've dealt with this because they're so inept at it. Hmm. And everyone seems really edgy and panicky about this one UFO that's attacking. Well, maybe they're always inept at it, and that's why they're panicky. <laughs> See, I like that. I'll go with that. <laughs> maybe so that's why Strike is t- such an arsehole. Yeah, because he's just fed up. Like, they've never caught one yet. They've never <laughs> shot one down. They're just always landing, abducting people, mutilating them, and flying off. They're on the verge of being closed down. Exactly, yeah. There's a red paper being written as they speak. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Wouldn't get past this government, would it? No. Cuts, cuts, cuts. Ooh, a bit yeah. political. Or <laughs> <laughs> if Ben Elton walked into the room... I should say we're recording this a couple of days before the UK general election, so if the Tories don't get in, you'll have to cut this whole bit out. Yeah, and a UFO is going to attack Shadow because they want to destroy the Utronics device. Mm-hmm. Sky One launches missiles, but both Shadow and the UFO enter cloud layer, and the missiles miss the UFO. The UFO manages to blast Shadow, but it isn't badly damaged. Sky One finally hits the UFO, and it crashes into the sea. Peter is ordered to follow it down, and he sees the UFO break up, and he sees a body of an alien floating in the water. <laughs> and don't they have the whole the great conversation where one of them goes, there's a body, yes, a body, a body, yes, a body, a body, yes, a body. <laughs> and it goes off like... <laughs> and, then, and then it finishes the whole film. <laughs> the end. Yeah. <laughs> Now why didn't so they, why didn't they in, uh, outfit these interceptors with heat-seeking missiles? It would have been uh, a, lot, a lot easier, wouldn't it? Maybe the UFOs don't give off heat. Oh, so there's no point. So you've, you've got an answer for everything, haven't you? <sighs> yeah, I should know better by now. But... Yeah. 
So we cut to a doctor who's examining the alien. He removes a contact lens that the alien is wearing. It's a hard shell contact lens. And the alien is alive, humanoid, and they're artificially green. <laughs> artificially green. <laughs> yeah, because they're green, because it's absorbed from the liquid they breathe. Yes. Okay. Which I actually thought was nice, because it gives an idea to why we always say, like, little green men. And they're green because of the green liquid that they absorb. Yeah, I get the I get the idea. I thought it was a nice idea. Clearly, you didn't like it. I was more impressed with the the whole um, lens protecting their eye thing that that they removed. I thought that was quite a nice touch. Yeah, it looked painful for the actor. It did. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't look very happy, or he didn't look very happy. Was it a man or a woman? Because it looked like a woman. The eyes look like a woman, but when you later see it's a man. But I'm pretty sure that when, because if you watch closely, when they're removing this lens, the person's wincing with the other eye. They're kind of like going, Oh, really? Ah. <laughs> I would too. Absolutely. You couldn't, you couldn't pay me enough to just lay there and have that done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> so the examination reveals the alien has had almost every organ transplanted. Straker yes. argues with Freeman that he believes the aliens are taking organs from people. Freeman is doubtful at this point. The alien wakes up, but something isn't right. There's an emergency. The medical staff are called, but they can't save the alien's life, and it dies. Yes, he says, I'm afraid he's dead. Uh, and Straker goes, yeah, covers him up and says, when can I have a PM? <laughs> Doesn't he say, I'll hurry, up, hurry up with the post-mortem? And then he says... Uh... Uh, I don't want the details. Just what really matters. What, like, details? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's almost like, no. When Straker receives the information, he calls a briefing. It turns out that the alien rapidly aged when exposed to Earth's atmosphere. Now, I do like this whole idea that these these aliens, obviously, um, are more comfortable in fluid, aren't they? They're fluid-based. Yeah. Well, they use liquid oxygen to keep them alive on interstellar journeys. I thought it was a nice touch for a, a show like this to think of, really. Yeah, and the fact that it has... That's why their skin is green and tells them that they've been travelling for a long time because it has so much time to change the colour of their skin. See, now you've put it like that, it makes sense. Yeah. Straker says the technology is several hundred years ahead of man mm -hmm. and the PM, post-mortem, shows the aliens are sterile and that transplants gives the idea that they are a dying race. This whole bit, he's, he's almost doing a soliloquy here, isn't he? He's... Yeah, because he says, like, he, he, like, poses some questions, but then he just answers them all. <laughs> There's no other dialogue. No one says a single word no. apart from him. He's like, <laughs> why did they come? Well, the report shows five organ transplants. The alien's heart was human. One reason they come is for human organ transplants. Imagine... <laughs> A dying planet in some corner of the universe, doomed to extinction. A situation we may find ourselves in one day. Oh boy, was he right. <laughs> <laughs> At one point during the speech, he's picking up this um, little marble thing and, and holding it up to the camera, isn't he? Almost like yeah, he's yeah, doing yeah. the whole Alas poor, poor Yorick speech from Hamlet, maybe, isn't he? <laughs> maybe he is. Maybe he is. So do, you, do, really you, do you think the actor, um, the other actors in the scene did have dialogue and, he, and, and this guy, you know, gently removed it? <laughs> I, I can't remember because I'm constantly watching this and trying to remember how it played in the episode that this scene is taken from. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to always remember, like, did they edit it differently and cut things out? Yeah, it could be that, couldn't it? It could be. And Straker says they the aliens look at us like the way we look at animals for food, which is again another nice touch. I like that. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, and it's kind of dark as well for a series like this. I think. Don't you find though that that a lot of seventies stuff, particularly British seventies stuff, was quite dark? If you look at Doctor Who in the seventies and Doom Watch, yeah, very dark, very dark, mm -hmm. almost Hammer Horror at times. Doctor Who in the seventies. Yes, same budget. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, th I think you're uh, giving props to uh, Doctor Who there, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> props, the one thing Doctor Who didn't have in the seventies. <laughs> oh no, they had plenty of props. I mean, they weren't much oh, cut, okay. you know. But <laughs> but they were props, technically yeah, speaking. Technically, yes, that's technically true. I take, they it, were I, props. take yes. I take it back. Later, a lunar module leaves Earth for Moonbase. Colonel Freeman is aboard. He's visiting Moonbase for an inspection. 
While he's there, an alien is detected by Sid. Interceptors are launched. The interceptors attack the UFO, but they miss again. Yes. Shocker. <laughs> I'm beginning to think they should change the name from Interceptor. Go on. To not intercepting. I have nothing funny to say. I just thought I should point that out. <laughs> Launch the not interceptors. Yes. I like that. Then yeah, Sid could sound really it. pissed off when he... <sighs> and then the pilot could go, why are we launching? <laughs> that's just, just not bother. Fuel? Yeah, yeah exactly. not bother. The result is exactly the same. Or at least get three new pilots. Maybe it's, but the fault isn't the ships. Maybe it's the pilots. Yeah. Mm. So the UFO is heading towards the interceptors. Interceptor 1 is closest and requests a course change. But Lieutenant Ellis doesn't answer him and instead orders Interceptor 3, piloted by Mark Bradley, to change course. When he responds, she then tells Interceptor 1 to also change course, but she's too late telling him, and the UFO hits it and kills him. But the damaged UFO managed to fly into Earth's atmosphere. Oh, is that why that happened? This whole bit lost me, I have to say. You know why? Because it's edited out of the episode, and they've edited all the point, the actual... Um, driving points of why it's happening. Why well, it's just completely messed up, is it? Yeah, it's totally messed up. Ah, oh, right. Okay, it makes sense because uh, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> no, right. The reason she does that is because she's in love with the pilot of Interceptor Three. Right. Okay. Because we get and that we why... get that line in a minute, don't they? When the when the um doing a post-mortem over this situation. And um, doesn't Freeman say that it could have been human error? Yeah. That, that caused yeah, the, it? And the whole episode that this taken from is about this human error and right. whether, whether love is, can interfere with the decisions you make in this situation. Which, so it makes no sense. You even get like Freeman looks at her and then it doesn't go anywhere. I, I saw that look and I wonder what I thought. Is that going to get paid off later? Is there something between them? Is something happening there? And then nothing happened. So. <laughs> no, because it, it does in the episode, but not in the film. It's it's a really weird decision. Yeah. I mean, this whole... this I, I keep going back to the fact that this whole idea for this is very, very strange. Yeah. So back on Earth, like you said, Straker wants to know what happened. How did one of the pirates end up dead? And the UFO getting through to Earth. And Freeman says he's unsure. And the UFO breaks through the defensive and lands in Canada. After after a, a little bit of 16-bit music. Yeah, beautiful piece of music. It is, yeah. Love it. It's very Spectrum. Yes. Wait, Spectrum? Are you sure? Well, pre-Spectrum, but it sounds like a Spectrum game. Does it? Oh, sorry. Was it? Is it far too good for Spectrum, was it? Yeah. I yeah, forgot yeah, you're a Commodore yeah, guy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Not mentioning Spectrum on our podcast. What are you talking How about? Dare you, sir. <laughs> Get that Next filth out of your mouth now. <laughs> Next you'll be talking Amstrad, and that's it. We're finished. <laughs> there was nothing wrong with my green screen computer. Oh, except for the fact that it was green. Well, we'll fill it a hundredth time when uh, Rambo First Blood Part 2 game didn't load in my uh, connected tape deck, and I literally picked it up and slammed it down onto the table, and then it didn't work again. Yeah, but not having a game load in an Amstrad 464 with a green screen monitor, isn't that a bonus? <laughs> I didn't know any better. <laughs> Getting back to the movie, I have a note here at this point mm-hmm. that I wrote in very big letters that says, does Ooh. this music... Don't, don't you usually write that way, though? <laughs> yes, in bigger letters. Crayon. Yes. I wrote, does this music ever stop? Why would you want it to? Does does a man ever stop dancing? No, you don't want the music to stop. It's beautiful. It's funky and it's great. But it doesn't it doesn't let up. No. At all. <laughs> That's good. Okay. Right. So Aerial Recon can't find the UFO because it's hiding in a lake. As night falls, the UFO takes off. Sid sees it and informs Shadow. I can't get over saying Sid sees it. (laughs) And Sky One loops around and he also sees the UFO and he moves into attack. Finally, he hits it and the alien crashes, but the ship didn't explode. 
and so Freeman is then sent out to recover the alien from the ship alive. Yeah, in the scene before that, though, Straker says to Freeman, "Get some rest. You look tired." And yeah, then... he does, and then sends him on a job. <laughs> Just the worst manager ever, right? <laughs> it's when he said to him, "You look tired. Get some rest." He's like, "Well, oh, fuck you." <laughs> yeah, but let's be honest. All those women, he does. Oh, is that what he's been up to? Oh, right. oh yeah. It, Straker wasn't referring to work. <laughs> I'm I'm not quite sure even what Freeman's there for, to be honest. I can do. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> With his crater face. <laughs> and his wig. <laughs> his wig. Yeah, I don't know what he's there for. That's a good point. He doesn't really do any of the action sequences. Doesn't do anything. So we then cut to out on location with the alien ship, and then we have shadow control trucks. Lieutenant Gay Ellis is aboard one, now without her purple hair, mm-hmm. and Freeman is with her, and there are two other shadow vehicles. Mark Bradley is controlling one of them. He is the Sky One pilot. Freeman tells Ellis to send the Shadowmobile in the best position to go. She hesitates, but sends Shadow free. And this is a, a call back to the other episode where... She didn't want, she told him to get out of the way because her lover is on one of the vehicles. Again, that didn't track because. No, because they don't mention it, don't yeah. talk about mm-hmm. it. That's you know. As Shadow Free gets closer, they come under attack from the UFO. Lasers blast out, Shadow Free is destroyed. Send the next one. Ellis looks at him. Freeman says, I know the risk. She sends Shadow One, which is led by Bradley. Freeman eyes Ellis suspiciously, which makes no point in this film whatsoever. <laughs> Freeman tells them to approach on foot, so they all get out. Two men approach the UFO, and Bradley is watching through binoculars. Mm-hmm. An alien appears and tries to shoot one of them, but he returns fire and kills the alien. Then another alien opens fire. Bradley circles around and knocks the alien down. Then the UFO starts to glow and explodes, but nobody's hurt. And now they have another alien. Now, this whole sequence I thought was really, really good. I really enjoyed this action sequence. Apart Jeez. from <laughs> oh, girl. Uh, the whole thing of why, why if the alien ships have got lasers, why are they using machine guns when they're going hand to hand? Because the lasers need a powerful mechanism to fire and you can only fit that on a UFO. You can't carry that around. Okay, I can, I can go with that. I can go with that. The red uniforms that the aliens are wearing are very good, particularly the helmets. They do look quite sinister, mm-hmm. I have to say. I like that. But... And this is the okay. big problem. <clears throat> Shadow send about three guys in there. Why? Why? Why aren't the army involved? Why aren't you know? This is, they've found this UFO. Okay, there's supposed to be a secret organization. Yes. Okay, but we found this UFO. We know it's there. We can see it. Get on the phone. You can't get do back it up before you but start running in with just three guys that. and a couple you can't of machine reveal guns. to the army. Why? Because it's secret. That these UFOs are not supposed to exist. So you're yes. telling me, yes. okay, that that to keep they you'd have to keep this secret at the expense of possibly losing the Earth because you've got three guys with a couple of machines. We're well, not going to lose the Earth because one ship crashed. How do you know? You don't know. You don't know anything about these aliens other than the fact that they're mildly aquatic. <laughs> Mildly aquatic. How how is anything mildly aquatic? Ooh, I like the water, but not too close. <laughs> well, exactly. I mean, it's a bit green, okay. you know. No, no. They know that one one UFO is not going to take over the planet. Yeah, but they don't know that. The way they've reacted to one UFO, that they seem unable to shoot down. <laughs> but they're trying to stop the UFO. But they're trying to stop the UFO from mutilating people. Well, not the UFO, but the people in it. UFO's not doing mutilating. It's the people in it. Yeah, I think you're stretching a bit there, I have to say. And if you tell the army, then everybody knows, because they can't keep a secret. Oh, excuse me. They can't keep a secret, so... In in the context of the show. Okay, all right. So, no, you, you have to do this. You're forced to do this. This is the burden that they've been given. If you say so. I'm sure it, I'm sure it plays better in the TV series. Yeah, it does. Back at HQ, this captured alien is in perfect health. Straker tries to interrogate him, 
but the alien doesn't answer. Straker doesn't even know if the alien can understand him. He's nah. doing that great thing of just shouting at him in English. I doesn't even know he understands English. <laughs> Where are the toilets? <laughs> Aliens looking back at him going, No, 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 no. Listen. Where are the toilets? No, yeah, it's not going to work, is it? You're right. This guy's playing with us. <laughs> yeah, that's what he says. He's just having his on. Straker wants to use a new anodyne compound to break the alien's resistance, but it could be dangerous. The doctor tells him he has no idea what the consequences will be, but Straker needs answers. He picks up the syringe, and the alien reacts. He realizes the alien does understand him. Mm-hmm. The doctor is ordered to inject the alien. Straker tells the alien, oh, it will lower your resistance, all right. <laughs> I don't like the way you yeah. said that. That was a bit sinister. <laughs> oh, uh, acting. The... <laughs> I've, I've got all goosebumpy now. I don't like that. <laughs> the alien starts screaming loudly, yeah, then loudly. dies. And at this point, I'm thinking, we're going around in a circle here. Is there any point to any of this? We've done this twice I mean, now. We've had two aliens. We yeah. killed them both. What? Yeah. <laughs> Third time's a charm. We'll get there in the end. <laughs> Suddenly, we're introduced to Paul Foster. He's been in hospital a month. <laughs> yeah, at one point, I was, I was, when this happened, I, I, I was... Uh, so, so who's this? Have we seen him before? No, well, he's from the second season. He's not in the first season of UFO. So they're using stuff from the second season? Oh, yeah. They, they <laughs> used the final episode in this thing. Wow. <laughs> At this at this point, this is where it goes totally off the rails. Okay, okay. Now, isn't this guy played by the guy who played the Russian agent at the beginning of Spy Who Loved Me? Yes, he is. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, Paul Foster says, "Oh, it's quiet here," and he says, "Well, you know, things have been happening while you've been in hospital for a month, but of course, we've never seen him before." So is that is that a line from the actual episode? Or did they? That, that's my question. Did they shoot stuff especially for this? No, he's he, no, no, no. Nothing's nothing's been shot for this. It's totally taken out of context from episodes. To link Paul it Foster, right? Yeah, Paul Foster's actually in earlier episodes, and he's shot down. He's a pilot, and he accidentally discovers a UFO and is shot down. And then instead of wiping his mind, they bring him into UFO the thing, into shadow. The thing is, if you didn't know that this was cobbled together from episode, and and you and you 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 just watch this blind, and they introduce this character by saying. Oh, I'm glad you come out, come out of hospital for the last six months. I, I've written scripts like that. Yeah, it's nonsense. <laughs> it's just, it doesn't make any sense. It's yeah. great. <laughs> out on the ocean, a sailor on a tanker sees a UFO traveling through the water. The UFO opens fire on the ship with a flying projectile that comes out of the water and shoots a laser beam at the ship. What, what accent is this sailor doing? Well, this sailor's been at sea a lot. I, I thought they'd hired me to do this for a second because he was—he had my uh, capabilities with the accents there. I thought he's well, well. As I said, this sailor—he's been at sea quite a lot, right? And as you know, ships have people from different cultures and backgrounds aboard, so he's been surrounded by people from different nationalities. So his accent has melded with all those different nationalities to create a unique one of its own. That's what I do when I'm doing mine. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I, mean, I get into character of a sailor, as you say, who's been. Oh, you do. You, I've seen you get into character as a sailor. Well, <laughs> <clears throat> all right, move on. <laughs> and the captain reports that they are under attack from a submarine, and the tanker sinks, blown to bits. Yeah, and mm-hmm. a great fiery explosion of authenticity. <laughs> <laughs> One way yeah. of putting it, I Good. suppose, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Up in orbit, a space probe detects 25 alien UFOs approaching, and then the space probe is destroyed. Sid reports the UFOs have maintained a position in orbit. Back at Shadow Headquarters, Straker wonders what they're up to. Meanwhile, he orders Skydiver to travel to where the tanker was sunk. Mm-hmm. And we get, we get to meet Mommy Cumberbatch at this point, don't we? Well, it's like Straker asked Virginia Lake, who is suddenly in this film, 
Yes, I did wonder when she was going to pop up. I was looking at the IMDb list of people that were in this before I signed out. Oh, that's Benedict Cumberbatch's mum. And we're getting into it, and we're getting into it, we're getting an hour into it. I'm thinking, she hasn't shown up yet. Is she actually in this movie? <laughs> yeah, again, she's a second series character. Ah, right, okay. Straker asks her what the computer thinks, and the computer goes, hmm, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, he and, he, and he gets annoyed by this. So, what made me laugh as well is that there's a female crew member in this submarine mm-hmm. standing next to the captain. Right. By the way, the captain's changed at this point. I did notice. It's, I it's didn't, doesn't he change back at some point as well? Yeah, it's kind of weird. Yeah. And the the female crew member says to the captain, oh, maybe the volcano is active. And and the captain says to her, no, we check that. You might as well just finish with, you stupid cow. Because <laughs> that's his attitude, isn't it? That's the way he says it. <laughs> Demeaning. Yeah, it doesn't fly these days, does it? Right. You know. Yeah. So Skydiver is at the tanker sinking site and is reporting that the water temperature is rising. And they don't know why. Skydiver sees something and they take evasive action, which apparently means they just stop. Mm-hmm. It's a UFO zooming past. Skydiver goes to periscope depth and they see the UFO fly out of the volcano. Straker determines the UFO has been using the volcano as a way to get under the sea and using a power line for energy. And there's a lot more power for just one UFO. So Skydiver follows the power cable and they find an object, a dome-shaped construction on the seabed. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, Straker comes aboard. <laughs> yes, he does, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> and what does he do? What's the first thing he says to a female crew member? I'll get us a couple of coffees, will you? <laughs> <laughs> And he's with Colonel Foster. <laughs> yes, Colonel Foster, who we've just met. Who we've just met, yes. Yeah. <laughs> we know nothing about. Straker and Foster get into diving gear. Why is Straker doing this? I don't... I'm, sort of thinking, I'm sure there's someone better qualified to do this. He's yeah, not, you like know, you don't... all the divers on yeah. the submarine. <laughs> and he actually says, oh, we'll just go in the two of us. You'd yeah. be like... Don't you want some like security people with you, or you know? <laughs> no, no, it's got to be us. Just, just me and him. Just uh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe he likes Foster, and it's the only way he could get him alone. Well, he wants to get him out in the uh, in the deep. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. He's a good-looking guy. Uh, yes, he is. There's no denying that, and it's the seventies. Anything goes. Yeah. <laughs> So they're going to swim out, but Skydiver's going to launch torpedoes at the building in half an hour. So Straker and Foster, hey, they better get back. So what do you think of this underwater sequence then? Oh, oh, Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) So we get model divers. That's to put it mildly. That's the best description, yeah. Who don't move except float around, but their legs don't move and their arms don't move. They reminded me of the kind of thing you hand in a fish, hang in a fish tank. Yeah, they, they, that's probably where they got them from. Yeah. <laughs> Are the actors really underwater? Do you think? Um, I don't know. That's a good point. Do you think they are? I think they're doing that um, fake treading water thing. That there's uh, just like a tank in front of the camera, and they're behind that and pretending yeah. to be underwater. And they're on wires. Well, yeah. they're definitely but it looks, on, it looks... Actually, actually, they're definitely on, on wires because I noticed that. Well, then they're not underwater if they're on wires, are they? But That's it, a good it, point, it, yeah. it's passable. It's passable. It looks okay. It's passable. It's just the model work is terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was waiting for the, to see the the little wind up bit in the in the side of the of the divers that makes the little legs flip, but it didn't no, even no. have that, did it? No, because <laughs> the legs don't move. They're just solid. It's weird. <laughs> So they approach the undersea construction and Foster finds a way of getting inside. Mm-hmm. And they're inside a green dome. And you can tell that this is the last episode of the series. Is that what this is from then? Yes, this is from the last episode of the whole show. Right. Because this is a pretty cheap set. It's just a, it's just a couple of panels, isn't it? With a few it's lights. Just, yeah, screens of lights. Uh, totally, yeah. So they open another door and they wander around and then they find a facsimile of UFO control. And they watch as their colleagues walk out, even a copy of Straker. 
on the recording of voices. No, I don't get this. Go on. Okay, I, I can understand that their idea is to infiltrate Shadow and give them false information. But why do they need to go to the whole thing of elaborately building a set and uniforms and making them look like people and stuff? Because they communicate through... They have video monitors. But do it, in a video mo monitor, you only need the, like the square of the video monitor, don't you? To just yeah, build, I, build a fake wall behind you and one person. You don't need an entire set. No, I, yeah, I can't defend this <laughs> anyway whatsoever the thing was when this happened again i was thinking wow is there going to be some real like amazing twist that maybe they're not aliens after all that it's all something to do with another organization on earth and they're actually earthlings and they've been duped and i got really excited really i did i really thought this is going somewhere this is really really interesting and, and it didn't no no so can I ask, though, just for my own personal benefit, can I ask, does it go anywhere in the last episode of the TV show? I can't remember, to be honest. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the, there are, well, we'll talk about it in the summer. Okay, okay. So then these people leave, and Straker and Foster come out of their hiding place, and their setup is convincing, and so then they decide, okay, we really need to leave because Skydiver is going to launch torpedoes at any point. But they can't find their way back, so they decide to split up. At least one of them will get out alive. This goes on for ages, doesn't it? It's just running up and down the same corridor over and over again. <laughs> I have in my notes. I have shots of them running down the same corridor. <laughs> it makes me laugh because they they run down it, then they stop. They look left and right, and then they run back the way they came. <laughs> yeah, Foster finds the exit, and he's getting back into his scuba gear, and he escapes. Mm-hmm. Sid reports the UFOs are moving out of the holding positions in orbit and approaching Earth. Straker finally finds the scuba gear location, but is confronted by a copy of one of his men. And they have a bit of a fight, don't they? The two stuntmen do. <laughs> and it is the worst fight you've ever seen. It looks so stagey. Yeah, it's just one At one of point those. when they're laying on the floor and he's reaching for the knife. There in there's not a lot of uh, aggression going on in this. It's like fight, it's it? like two old men fighting, and then <laughs> it's one of those where one of them like stands to wait for the other one to punch him in the stomach. <laughs> they do, don't they? I'm pretty sure at one point one of them re reacts a split second before the punch actually connects. <laughs> well, I know I do. Oh yes, with your that's a whole other story, isn't it? <laughs> Skydiver arms torpedoes. Straker knocks the guy out, but the torpedo is fired and the building explodes. Mm -hmm. And then they see Straker heading back. <gasps> he survived. Well, while Skydiver finishes the job, mm -hmm. the building and the volcano explodes. Meanwhile, the UFOs are still heading to Earth. The interceptors are launched and they destroy the first wave. Sky One is launched and they attack the second wave of UFOs. Why are they all oh. suddenly so good? Practice. Oh, is that what it is? Those two times before where they completely missed everything. Oh, they've been practicing in between. Oh, have they? Okay. They don't just sit around waiting to fly down the tubes and launch into the interceptors. Silly me, because a whole two years have passed from the beginning of this movie to the... <laughs> exactly, yeah. We've got characters that have been in and sick and back in again. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah, so, so, yeah, you know. obviously. Yeah. So, Sky One attacks the second wave of UFOs, but one changes trajectory. It's going to attack Sid. An interceptor gives chase. The UFO hits Sid, but the UFO is destroyed. It's a good sequence, this. I did like this, this whole battle at the end. Good. I mean, it's very modelly, but it's kind of good. I mean, I can yeah. imagine the 10-year-old the, the me going wow at this. Finally, back on Earth at Shadow Headquarters after all this, there is a scene that makes no sense whatsoever in this film. <laughs> I just thought, what is this? And it's calling back right to the very beginning of the film, isn't it? Yeah, Peter is being told about his sister being used as a donor by aliens. Now, is but that it's... from that same episode? Is that from the episode that the first bit of the film was from? Absolutely from the first episode. <laughs> wow, that took some that took some thinking, that did, didn't it? <laughs> it's, it's crazy, right? Well, there's a logic there. There is a logic there. I can see There it. is, but it doesn't make any sense because at no point are you told that that's Peter. Well, exactly. This is some guy and he's telling him about his sister and I had to put put it together myself. You know? Right, and I didn't think you would. 
<laughs> like when I was watching it, I was like, there's no way this is going to make any sense to Paul because he's never seen, he's, well, you've seen the series, but you've never really watched it recently or spent any time with it. Exactly. It took me a minute and then I thought about it and then it occurred to me, oh, this is the, ah, this is the brother of the, the yes, it makes sense now from right from the beginning. Yes. Okay. Yeah, but the fact you have to work with that is bad. It is. It is. Yeah. And then we get a we get a funeral scene with Straker talking some complete it's nonsense. Such a miserable ending, and then it just yeah. finishes. And then ends, and it just ends, <laughs> and then we are. That's the end of Invasion UFO. <laughs> and that was a what an hour and thirty five minutes. <laughs> no, hour and twenty eight. Was it an hour and twenty eight? Sorry. So, do you want me to go first? If you like. Okay. Reviewing Invasion UFO as its own entity as a film, it's complete garbage. It makes no sense whatsoever. Yet yeah, it's fun visually and it's fun orally. There's some nice stuff. And I like the idea of it, but the story is just atrocious. It doesn't, it's just, it doesn't follow on. Characters appear. You have no idea why they're appearing. There are storylines that end and stop and start and float in and float out. For the first hour, it's fairly coherent. (laughs) It kind of makes sense for the first hour. Everything goes together. For the last half hour, it's just bonkers. It's almost David Lynchian, isn't it? Oh, it's just like (laughs) characters are like, oh, hi, you haven't been in the film, so uh, won't introduce you, but we'll just carry on anyway. (laughs) People drop out. There's like, what happens to Freeman? He's gone <laughs> in the second half hour of this film. <laughs> he is. I didn't think of that. As soon as, yeah, as, soon as Straker and Forster totally. go down to that submarine, he's just gone, isn't he? <laughs> because he's not in the second series. Ah, oh, because we never see him again. Right. She replaces him. Ah, right. Okay. <laughs> so, 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 as a as a film, as its own entity, this is like a huge miss. Mm-hmm. It's a big miss. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, should I let you talk about the film first before I talk about the series? Okay. Um, yeah. I pretty much agree with you in t- entirety. Um, it's a mess. It's a complete mess. I mean, cobbled together like this, I mean, it barely has a narrative. It's just... It's just... It's just a bunch of scenes that, that, that kind of loosely string together. And you have to do mm-hmm. most of the connective, put most of the connective tissue together yourself. It doesn't really, doesn't really fit together as a whole thing at all. Yeah, so that's all I'll say for now. That's all I'll say for now about the movie. We, we had problems with the Battlestar Galactica film, but at least that actually was episodes that followed on from each other. Yes, and at least it, it worked together as a complete narrative. It yeah. wasn't. It wasn't. A, it wasn't a movie made up of scenes from seven or eight different episodes that were right. that, that were strung together loosely. It can completely taken out of context to try and make a narrative out right. of it. Now, which is what this. Yeah, is. totally. Now, the UFO the series was actually criticised because it dealt with issues that were considered too deep for a show that people thought was for children because previous Anderson stuff was, but this wasn't for children, this was for adults. And it dealt with things like interracial relationships. It, it dealt with drugs. It dealt with death. Um, the show is pretty complex in certain areas. There are a lot of characterizations that this show, this film takes clips from, but doesn't explain why people are doing those things. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, yeah. Ellis's um, relationship with the skydiver pilot, is kind of they've taken bits from it, but they don't explain any of it. And yeah. the episodes of UFO, some of them are really good. There are episodes where Straker, oh, where, where the whole Shadow unit is given a drug by the aliens that makes them hallucinate, and Straker wakes up thinking he's an actor in a TV show about science fiction. See, I, I kind of. Much preferred to see that. Yeah, and there's an episode where Straker and um, the, I've forgotten the name. What's her name? Her actual name? Which one? Oh, Virginia. They've mm-hmm. come back to Shadow Headquarters and find everybody in the film studio frozen in time, and only them are walking around. And it has a great scene where there's a guy smoking and the smoke is still 
and they're walking around him and and so there are really good interesting episodes but you never get that from this no no but having said that and i i can't talk about the tv series because i i barely remember it i have vague vague recollections but that's about it as a movie it's a failure obviously but well, it's got some interesting sequences. If you just took it as a movie, I mean, the the the, the fight in the forest, the the end space battle, there's some nice touches with with um, you know, some of the some of the effects. Mm-hmm. But I, I I think after watching this after 45 minutes, I would have quite happily called it a day there. Right. Which 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 I think means that I would much prefer it episodically than as a 90 minute movie. Yeah, yeah. Like it is. Yeah. I think as an advertisement for the series, this is a very bad promo. I can't see what they were going for, stringing all this together. I just don't get it. No. Because if you if you were trying to sell this to another uh, another TV company and you're some guy sitting there watching it, when when the lights came up, you'd be like, oh, I have no idea what, <laughs> what, it, what the hell I just Why watched. is there a character introduced in the last 20 minutes? Or not introduced, she just appears. <laughs> yeah um yeah i as invasion ufo as a film as its own entity is definitely a miss watch watch the series i would say it's a miss with a caveat to say that um i think i'd enjoy the tv show more yeah i think so too so that's mm-hmm. it for our invasion ufo thank you for listening to retrospection and if you want to suggest a tv show or a film you can contact us at retrospection at email.com you can also find us on twitter at retrospecky and you can seek us out on facebook and you can also check out our spotify playlist that features all the themes and music from everything that we've reviewed so far so join us in our next episode of Retrospection when we sample some cherry pie and some damn fine coffee when we check out David Lynch's Twin Peaks. So thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. <laughs>